Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. So great to see you today. Happy Palm Sunday. I want to welcome anyone who's listening online later this week. Thanks for uh, dialing in with us today as we close out Daring Faith, the Key to Miracles. So grateful for Pastor Kelly's message and uh, Pastor Tom's message and waiting on God. That was so powerful. Daring to go in faith. I've invited people to Easter next weekend. Looking forward to next week's message on Easter services. I'm going to be preaching next week on trusting God through changes you don't like. Trusting God through those seasons, those things where change, it just seems relentless, seems ongoing. How do you keep trusting God even through things that you do not like? And uh, this weekend, I'm excited to close out Daring Faith. I hope you've been uh, challenged and encouraged during this study. I know I have, my family has, my small group has. Steps of growing in faith, steps of sowing into our faith, steps of going in faith. Goals have been set. For me, I think one of the things that really impacted, was very impacting for me, was Pastor Kelly's message on waiting, daring to wait on God and in the waiting room of God, and to keep growing, keep sowing, keep going. Um, The small group session, man, that week on obedience, and what if that question, that question is just stuck, stuck in me, of what if God answered my prayers at the same rate I obeyed him, right? What if God answered me at the same rate I answered him? Like, that's a perspective shift, isn't it? I'd love to know what stuck out to you about the campaign or how the campaign affected you or impacted you. Uh, we'd love to know that. Our small group team would love to know that. Of uh, Whatever that means to you, something that stood out to you or a goal that you've set because of daring faith or something that uh, you hope will uh, stay with you throughout the year. How did the daring faith campaign impact you? And then how can we, how can we pray for you in that? We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Of course, we want Daring Faith not to just be a season, but we want to have lasting fruit in that. I hope that this is something that grows and and bears lasting fruit. And we'll be doing some Daring Faith checkups throughout the year. And we'd love to know uh, how it's impacted you and how we can pray for you. So you could let us know simply on the communication card, either on the app or that physical card. Uh, Or if you want to take time to think about it, you could email us at church at rockbrook.org. You don't have to make too much of that. You can share a lot if you want. You could just share a little. Hey, here's a takeaway I had. Here's a highlight I made. Here's how it impacted me. Here's how you can pray for me in my faith to grow. As you think about that, I, I want to, I just was praying about how to finish this out. And, and I'll tell you, I, I don't have, you know, we had that big kick, kickoff weekend. I don't have a big whiz-bang ending for you today, all right? Uh, it's really nothing very exciting in fact, I, I don't even really hope you'll hear from me today on this one because I want to talk today about how to keep the faith. So as we move on from this, how, you get, how are you going to keep the faith? You know, in, in life, there are things that last and there are things that fade. Would you agree with me? There's pieces of furniture that last, like they last a lifetime. 
And then there's pieces of furniture that fade pretty quickly. I remember being at a friend's house one time and he told me to take a seat and I went to go sit in this chair and he goes, not that one, it won't last. Like, don't, don't sit, he just knew, like, that one's not there to last. You know, there's things in life that last, things that fade. There's bugs that you can just flick them away and they die. And there's bugs that can withstand a nuclear blast. There's things that last, you know, there's candy that lasts a long, long time. I, like a jawbreaker, there's all these layers to it, lasts forever. I remember one time I put a mint in my mouth right before I preached, and I thought it would just fade away quickly, and I was wrestling with that mint the entire sermon. I thought, man, I hope the word I'm preaching lasts as long as this mint in my mouth. But then there's cotton candy. It just the second you put it in your mouth, it disintegrates. And I've just been praying that, God, I don't want... I don't want a cotton candy faith. I don't want this to be a thing that just disintegrates. And I think there's many people who, in their life, they would say faith was, they would say, yeah, that was a season in my life. That was a moment in my life. Um, they were growing in their faith. They were serving in their faith, sowing. They were going. They were doing all these things, but it didn't last. There wasn't lasting fruit and, and they would say, yeah, that was a thing that I did. That was a moment in time. And I know you want to have a faith that lasts. That's why you're here. And I, I want to have a faith that lasts. And so as I prayed about how do you keep the faith, uh, there's a whole book of the Bible that answers this. It's in the New Testament. It's called 2 Timothy. Uh, it's because it's the second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a pastor, a younger pastor than Paul, and Timothy was actually pastoring the church that Paul had helped start, and then Paul moved on in his missionary journey, and Timothy is still leading this church, and Paul was a man who lasted in his faith through difficulty, through problems, through imprisonment. He's writing this passionate letter of, of faith about faith, uh, lonely in prison, and it's actually the final letter that he would write before he was killed, before he was martyred. And you just see his thoughts and, and feel his passion and you can see the reality of a faith that lasts. It's four chapters, not very long. In fact, we're going to read a whole lot of it today because I wanted you to hear from someone who lasted in their, in their faith. You can go read it in its entirety, four chapters. It's all about last things. So it's like his last hope is chapter one, hope of Christ. Then in chapter two, he gives his last instructions. Here's how to live the life of faith. Here's how to do it. Chapter three, he talks about the last days and says, here's what it'll be like in the last days for people. And how do you keep doing what you need to do? And then in chapter four, he gives his last word, last written words from the Apostle Paul that we have, his final charge to Timothy his outgoing message. And if you, go, if you go read it in its entirety, you see a lot of names given in this book. Mentions a lot of different people. And it's encouraging at times, people who've held on in their faith. It's inspiring at times. It's also very disheartening at other times, discouraging, because he'll mention names of people who uh, didn't make it and who abandoned him and point being is not everyone will last in the faith. 
It's disappointing. It's difficult. You pray for them. You draw strength from those who hold on. But it's very, very clear that not everyone has a lasting faith. Not everyone keeps it. You can. Anyone can. But not everyone does. And so this weekend, and we had so many points, right, through all these sermons, points and action steps between sermons and the small group videos, that this is just more kind of an ending devotional on finishing well. We'll look at these words from the Apostle Paul. We'll take some notes here and there in the margins or in those note boxes on the app. But in chapter one, he says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. He's talking there about the heroes of the faith, many of them that we looked at in this series of Joshua and Moses, Abraham, all those. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. This is a very personal letter from Paul to Timothy. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So he knows like his family. A lot of people think it's because the when Paul started the church, like these were some of the first believers uh, there. And, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And we're going to see often so many, some of the most famous verses in the Bible come out of this letter to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So he says, you've got this, you've got this faith, you've got this gift in your life, you've got this opportunity. Don't let it just be an ember, don't let it be a moment, but fan it into flames. Don't shrink back. Be bold in it. And it may not be used, your gift, when you want it, how you want it, where you want it. But fan it into flames right now. Take the opportunity, the life you have. And I, I hope you hear this, this part uh, this weekend. As a Timothy, like yes, fan into flames the ember that you have. But also I hope you hear it as a Paul, that if you want to make it, if you want to last in the faith, you've got to spur other people on. You've got to help them fan into flames the gift that God has given them, the life, the moment that they have. If there's been a seed planted of faith in their heart, you've got to help them fan that into flames if, if you want it to last for them, if you want it to last for you. So hear it as a Paul, but also, or hear it as a Timothy, but also hear it as a Paul. Help people see how they can make a difference with the gift that God has given them. Verse 13, hold the pattern, hold to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. So you, you gotta hold, we got to hold to the pattern of wholesome teaching, the truth of God's word. He says, how do you do that? How do you keep it? Is it through forced legalism? No. How do you hold to the pattern of wholesome teaching that we learn in the Word? It's by faith and it's by love. It's by a relationship with Christ Jesus. It's through that way. You catch the pattern, you live the pattern, 
You do it, verse 14, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Carefully guard the precious truth, I love this, that has been entrusted to you. So oftentimes when we talk about our faith in Christ and and beginning our life with Christ, we talk about giving our heart, giving our life to Christ, depositing our life into, into God, giving him our life. But it's happening, both two things are happening then. The scripture says when we give our life to Christ, he gives his life to us. When we make a deposit into Christ, he makes a deposit and entrusts his Holy Spirit into us and makes a deposit into us. And that we're to guard what's been entrusted into us. And God puts it in us, puts his spirit in us so that we can begin to live out the character of Christ, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so then he starts giving instruction of what this looks like and how it is to live in the world with this this truth and this deposit put into us and how it's going to affect our life uh, in the daily. And he says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. A big theme of chapter two is he's giving these last instructions is just keep moving forward toward the truth don't get into foolish arguments you're just gonna get sidetracked don't get sidetracked be patient with other people as you move toward the truth as you share God's truth with them and here's how you remember that you say God was patient with me God was patient with you so you be patient with others We don't force feed Christ to others. We patiently, boldly be a witness. We demonstrate the deposit that was put into us of Christ in our life. And then Paul kind of turns the corner here and he's talking about, after these last instructions, he starts describing the last days for here's what it's going to be like. Don't get in foolish arguments with with these people. Don't get sidetracked because here's what Here's what he says. You should know this in chapter 3. Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people. And now he's going to go on to list about 20 character qualities or about 20 attitudes that it will look like in the last days. Notice this with me. Just lists about 20 of them here. Very difficult times in the last days for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. 
They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, let's pause here for a moment. You should know that in the New Testament, the New Testament writers, uh, they consider that we have been in the last days ever since Jesus' ascension. Like, that right after Jesus' ascension, they considered that, that Jesus could, his return is imminent, it could happen anytime, and we're in the last days. Jesus could return at any moment. And so along the way, though, when you read through the New Testament, you see kind of categories of signs. There are signs that are pointing to the end, that say we're in the last days. There are signs that directly precede the end. So like there's specific signs in there that says when you see this, the end is just about to happen. And then there are signs in there that it says when you see this, it's ending. Like it's signs that accompany the end. So there's signs that are pointing to the end, that the world is broken, like earthquakes, the world should not be shaking. It's saying that's a sign that this doesn't last forever. It's in its last days. And then there are signs that happen just before the end of people falling away from the faith, the increase of evil, terrible times. And then there are signs that you look through and it's accompanying the end, like stars are falling from the sky. It's kind of like this. If you've ever owned... Is anyone in here, I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, have you been, but have you ever owned a car from, for its whole lifespan? Like you drove it off the lot and then you submitted it to the junkyard like you, you had it its whole entire time. And you know the whole time you're driving this car that it's not going to last forever. There's signs, there point, and so even not long after you get the car, there's a noise, right? And you hear a noise, and you know the noise is pointing to something that's not right, but it's still new enough, and you can just turn up the radio and ignore it and live with it and move on, and, and someone will fix it down the road. But then as more and more miles, more and more miles, more and more miles, then like there's stuff, big stuff that's gotta be replaced. And you know, and the mechanic tells you like, okay, we're kind of getting towards the end of, of this thing. You're going to need to update your fleet someday because we're replacing this and this. And then there are signs that accompany the end, like the engine falls out of the car. That accompanies the end of the car. And that's similar to the signs of, there are signs that point to this isn't last forever. It's, gonna, it's headed towards an, an ending, a climax, Jesus will return. There are signs that, okay, we're getting closer and closer, and then there are signs that it's here. But any time in Scripture that you see signs of the last days, of Jesus' return, uh, people get mixed up with the action step. Because they think, oh, okay, well, my, my role is to schedule when it's going to happen and say when it's going to happen and tell everybody it's here. Or they think, oh, my role is to uh, call out all the false teachers and all the wrong things and all of the stuff. When actually, almost every time it talks about the last days in the New Testament, there's an immediate call to unselfishness and to holiness. And says, here's what you should do. Don't be selfish. 
be set apart, be holy. And so I invite you just to do that now, just to kind of evaluate your own self and and look over that list of about the 20 last days attitudes and say, well, where are those in me? And what attitude am I taking on that I need to let go of? And if you are a note taker, I just, I kind of wanted to sum these up, that these these verses are expressions of selfishness in our culture. You kind of kind of see about three categories of last day's attitudes. One of them is individualism. Like where it says lovers of themselves, of money, others don't matter. That's the point, others don't matter. Another last day's attitude is secularism. And secularism, that's not, um, that's not saying God doesn't exist the secularist is one who says, well, yeah, God may exist, but I don't need him. Or I don't need to honor him in my life. And so that's that list of lovers of pleasure rather than God. It's, it's living as though he's not there. Even though I see the evidence all around me that God exists. Even though I know I'm a created being. You say God doesn't matter. And then those more extreme examples there of they'll be reckless or puffed up with pride and They'll reject the power that could really save them. This narcissism that says, takes it to the point of all that matters is me. Not only do you not matter, and all, not only does God not matter, all that matters is myself. And selfishness is the false teaching that many will fall for in the last days. Selfishness is the false teaching that many will be deceived by. In the last days. But Paul pours out his heart to Timothy and says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. So Paul's the one who taught Timothy. He says, You know where I'm coming from and you know my faith and my patience and love and endurance and you know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. So that verse right there, verse 10, that's a great lens to look through in our days of can look at yourself of how am I doing it living by the word and what my purpose is and my faith and patience and love and friend this is actually a great great thing to look at for a teachers that you listen to to from me and other authors that you might read or other preachers or other Christians that you might listen to of do they teach the word uh, do, does their life match do you know how they live do they have a purpose in life? Is it an expression of their faith? Are they taking risks in faith? Are they living out their faith? Are they patient? They show love. Do they endure when it gets hard? Do they endure when it gets tough? Can they withstand a, a, a trial? And he says, you can look at, Paul says, Timothy, you look at me. He says, evaluate my teaching. Look at me. See my endurance and suffering or persecution all of us have times in life where circumstances fall apart and he's not talking about the feelings you have but the choices you make and he goes on and says you know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra but the Lord rescued me from all of it yes and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution but evil people and imposters will flourish They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful. Keep the faith. 
Remain faithful to the things you have been taught, for you know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So there's just another indication here. You've been taught the Scriptures since childhood. Another indication, Timothy grew up in this. He grew up in this church, these believers, and, and grew up in, in, in the faith, and he's known it since childhood, and Paul's telling him that you've got to keep on to that faith, you've got to hold on to it. Man, as a parent, I, I look at this and I ask myself, how can I teach the truths of the Bible? How can my kids know the scriptures from childhood? And the encouragement I've gotten is just to tell those stories to my kids, to tell those accounts to my kids, to tell them when life is tough for them, to tell them the stories of Joshua and of Peter and of Paul and of Moses and when it was tough for them and how they overcame and instill those, the characters of the Bible, the, the accounts, the stories of the ancestors of our faith who've carried this, who brought us this chain of faith and to live it out, to realize that you're the Bible your kid is seeing every day. And it can transform a direction. It can, it can change an eternity. Why, why is scripture so powerful? It's because of this next famous verse from this, this book. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God is using his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now we are, are bombarded with words every day, all day. Are there words that are different than other words? Are there words that are inspired? Are there words that are important and valuable that God is using to prepare and equip? Uh, we're we were recently, uh, Lauren and I, driving on I-70 across Kansas. And I was amazed with, man, they're going to have every inch of that covered in billboards pretty soon, aren't they? Like, they just add and add and add more and more stuff and just all the words. And what I noticed about it is almost everything is urgent. Like, flashing lights, pull off on the next off-ramp. Why? The Evil Knievel Museum is, is at the next off-ramp. And, and they had all these signs so urgent about pulling up. But how many have ever pulled off for the Evil Knievel Museum off I-70, right? Because they're like, oh, that's not that really that urgent. But then there was another time that there was flashing lights and someone telling me to pull over. And I'm like, okay, I think I'll pull off at the next off-ramp, right? Like, I should probably do this. And it's the same throughout, throughout our life. That we are bombarded with words all day. And they're all urgent. Every sale is urgent. Every notification is urgent. Everything in life is urgent, but none speaks more with more authority than the Bible. And if you want to keep the faith, you elevate these words, God's word, as the final authority in your life. That God, I'll pull off for this. I'll pull over for this. And in chapter four, he starts giving his last 
Last known words written that we have for him, he says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. I mean, he's setting the stage there, right? I can't think of a more powerful thing to, to qualify a word with or to say. He says, preach the word of, of God. That's for every, every one of us. What is it to preach? It's to say out loud, to say it to our families, to live it in our lives. How do you do that? You be prepared. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, sorry, Jamie, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. So whether the time's good or not, meaning there's, no, there's not going to be a good time every time to preach the word, to say it, to live it. you got to be prepared regardless of what the time is. And you patiently correct. You say, here's how God guided me. Here's where God guided me. You rebuke. Friend, that's the wrong way. Let me tell you when I was going the wrong way and how God brought me out of it. That's how you patiently correct, rebuke, and you encourage. Instead of looking at people, wondering if there'll ever be people of faith, you encourage them to say, I see you as being a person of faith. I see that your faith could grow. Verse 3, time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires. They'll look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So rather than applying the word to their life, rather than investigating their own heart, their own selfishness, they just want to hear whatever whatever they want to do, affirm whatever selfishness they had. They'll just want to listen to things that only affirm and encourage what they already think, what they already know, what they already believe, instead of listening to the truth. They'll just want affirmation of what they already think. So how do you make sure you don't listen with itching ears, but you should keep a, a clear mind in every situation. So don't just be driven by your feelings or pleasure, or your body or your emotions, but keep a clear head, keep a clear mind in every situation. And don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. Jesus, there's so many things in Jesus' life. I and mean, we're headed into the Passion Week where you can read all the events from Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday leading up to the cross and the Garden of Gethsemane and um, his anger in the temple and uh, sweating blood and going to the cross and washing the disciples' feet, his last supper with the disciples, all these things that he didn't necessarily, didn't, he didn't want to do, he didn't feel like doing. Why did he do them? Because he's rejecting the selfishness. And he says, I'm going to do something unpleasant, even horrible, even torturous as a sacrifice because of my love. And there are sacrifices for us to make. And then Paul ends with this, like you'll remember these verses from kickoff weekend from week one, but he ends with these most powerful words that he says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God, and the time of my death is near. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. I love that I've fought, finished, and faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly, eagerly look forward to his appearing. I have fought, I've finished, I've remained faithful. Fought, finished, faithful. That's the kind of believer I want to be. That's the kind of believer I know that you want to be. Not just a season, not just a moment, not just a cotton candy faith, but one that fights, that finishes, that is faithful. It keeps the faith. And you may look at this today and see this today and and say, well, that's great, but I don't, I don't know if I can make it into the days ahead. I don't know if I have it in me to finish that kind of way. You say, my faith is weak. You might even say, I don't know if my faith is even any stronger than it was before daring faith. But I want to encourage you that the same spirit who empowered Paul empowers you. And if you read the life of Paul carefully, you find that it was full of battles, of discouragements, of time of depression and disappointments. And he faced times when he thought he was going to fall apart. Faced times where he thought it was all for nothing. And if you're feeling right now in your life, I don't have the strength to fight one more day. I don't know if I can finish out my faith. I don't know if I can keep my faith strong to the end. I'm here to tell you that because of who Jesus is, you can. And because of what's been deposited in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. And you don't have to keep the faith, friend, until the end of the end. You just have to keep the faith to the end of today. And you just have to do today. And you don't have to fight every battle today that you'll fight for the rest of your life. You've just got to get through today. And God, through the Holy Spirit, through the power that rose Jesus from the dead, will get you through day to day and you trust him with today and keeping the faith is about keeping the faith today running your race today and I know that because of who he is what happened in Paul's life what happened in Christ's life can happen in you what attitude do you take on we saw those attitudes from the last days I just encourage you with our definition of a daring faith that that's seen from God's point of view. That that's the Christ-like attitude we've got to carry on. That Christ, when he entered the Passion Week, there's so many attitudes he could have taken on, so many things he could have done to dodge the suffering. But he says, no, I'm seeing my life, my purpose, I'm seeing other people from God's point of view, and I'm living on that. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these enduring words uh, from the Apostle Paul's life, we thank you that they point us to Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that Christ can take an angry man like Paul who is running away from you and, and turn his life around. And as we uh, look at the last words of a man who faced discouragement and also often faced circumstances that were not of his making, that he wished would not be happening in his life, we're encouraged through the faith that he kept. And God, we want to keep the faith. God, help us to not be overwhelmed and overcome by our life, but to recognize that all we have is today. We're not even promised tomorrow. 
So help us be faithful today. Help us fight today. Help us finish today. God, we thank you through what you've entrusted into us, the same spirit that empowered the Apostle Paul can empower us. We're trusting you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.